rock and roll. And cue music. Aerosmith is in my breakfast nook. Oh, I can't believe they're actually here. Oh, oh. Come on, Garth, don't go squirrely on me. All right. All right, I'm counting on you, man. Hey, thanks for joining us. We're back in Brent's basement for the next episode of A-Sides. Here we are, after eating like a whole bunch of pizza yeah. and feeling like I need a nap. This feels like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon after Thanksgiving. It does. Yeah, now you just like fall asleep in front of a football game. Yeah, because we were eating and I was standing up. So yeah, when I sit down, it's really going to hit me now. It hit you. It hit me anyhow. Mostly just because I'm tired all the time anyhow and <laughs> so and i've been eating like shit lately so i probably didn't need that on top of the hardy's breakfast i had this morning brilliant yeah, probably not probably not. poor life choices yay plus we're drinking beer well thank you 18th street brewery for whatever the hell it is we're drinking that had like a big cool demonic skull face dragon head wolf ipa something like that was it called something wolf? I think maybe it was. Now that you say that, I have no idea. I just remember it said double IPA. I don't even want to know now. Now I'm happy not mm. knowing because I like whatever the hell we're calling it better. Right. I feel I feel good about it. I feel really good about it. <laughs> so got a fresh new topic. We got a good one today. The toxic twins. Bad boys from Boston. The bad boys from Boston, I think yeah. so, yeah. And their fans were the blue army. Oh, there you go. So, we're talking about Aerosmith today. Hell yeah. But the classic Aerosmith. Yeah, so basically we're dividing it up into two eras, kind of like we did with, uh, well, Kiss and Prince, I guess we've got like 16 eras. Yeah. I, I feel like I would have leaned way too heavy on the classic stuff if I had to pick a top 10 songs from all of Aerosmith's career. Yeah. I don't even know what I would pick from the new era. The more modern era, I should say, you know. See, I'd probably be the opposite. I'd lean more towards the MTV, the comeback era, probably, like, if I was doing an overall. Hmm. So I'd probably have, like, well, it'd probably be even split, or at least that's what I would try to do. I'd probably make an attempt. I'd force myself. Because even with this, so doing the classic era, we decided, you know, it would be everything from the first record through Rock in a Hard Place. Yeah. And then that's when, you know, after that, they kind of came back with Done With Mirrors, original lineup, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then really Permanent Vacation is where their uh, career kind of skyrocketed again in the MTV era and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it seemed like Rock in a Hard Place was the obvious spot to draw the line. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Um, Good one there. Yeah. I'm, I'm a genius. Uh, so... I don't remember what the fuck point I was trying to make. Where was I going with that? I was starting to talk. Oh. No, I still don't know what the fuck I oh, was going to say. Oh, you'd just have, you'd have more of the 70s <clears throat> stuff. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I know what I was going to say. I tried with this. I tried like hell. With these classic, you know, Aerosmith albums all the way through Rock and a Hard Place to try to pull something from each record. Oh, I mean, damn. because there are songs <clears throat> I really like from each album. I mean, 
uh, Night in the Ruts and Rockin' Hard Place is like two albums that I didn't really like when I was younger. Like I just didn't, I just dismissed them, you know, for whatever reason. And in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years, they've just grown on me more and more to where I really, really like them now, you know? So then the hard question was, okay, but I really like these songs, but how do they compete with say something off of toys in the attic, which is to me the best Aerosmith album ever. And it would be very easy for me to just pick like 10 fucking songs yeah, from that, like the whole fucking record, and call it my top ten list. You know, see, I'd so, say rocks is the best. Though. Yeah, see, I, I don't know. I've had that debate before. I, I like rocks a lot. I mean, I can't even argue with somebody if they if they say that. But I don't know, man. For but me, you will. <laughs> but for me, toys is like rocks is great front to back, but toys in the attic is arguably like every single song is one of their best songs they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe. But, we'll see. You know, we'll see. You know, I don't want to get too much into it. I don't want to give my list away or anything. But so it was hard to not lean too far on that record, to be honest with you. And at the end of the day, like to sit there and try to pick something from each album, I just, I ended up not. I just, I thought, well, it's just, I can't say that this song is really better than this song. You know, I really like it and I want to put it on there, but I'm not going to let it beat this song out just because it's on a record that. I'm not going to end up mentioning on my top 10 list now, you know? (laughs) And so, yeah, that definitely would have been hard if we would have done their entire career and tried to pick like 10 songs out of all of their albums. And I mean, fuck, you know, how do you, how do you do that? So, well, I wouldn't have anything from music from another dimension. Dude, I've still never even listened to that. Like I tried, I've listened to a couple songs. I like a few songs, but then like really it's, I, I even told myself before by the time we do the second episode i'm gonna give it a chance again but because you never know man uh sometimes it takes one two three four five or six, even ten and then maybe if, then all of a sudden you're it. like yeah. you know that yeah the 10th time you give it a shot then you're like fuck okay now i get it i will say I did have an honorable mention. I know we were talking and I was joking about how I was going to have like eight of them or whatever I said, but uh, I did decide like early on, you know, cause they've got a good amount of cover songs they've done over the years between both eras for that matter. But even back then, and for me, an honorable mention that I had to mention, how many times can I say mentioned surrounding that one point? Uh, <laughs> Remember Walking in the Sand, the Shangri-La's cover? Okay, yeah. Off of Night in the Ruts. I love their cover of that. The first time I heard it was on, they included it on the greatest hits. Yeah, the red one. The old original one from like 1980, I think. Steven Tyler's vocal performance on that is just really fucking good, and I think that that's just like a good example of what separates him from a lot of the other powerhouse singers of his era like he has like a kind of like this darker edge combined with a very Motown R&B soulful kind of thing that like just to compare him to another singer from his era like Robin Zander's another powerhouse you know but and Robin Zander has I mean obviously he's held up he can still fucking sing 
great, you know, especially for his age, but he's always just been one of those. Him and Steven Tyler, I feel like, are two of the strongest, especially from any uh, American rock and roll band from that era, 70s, going into the 80s and all that. But there's just something in Steven Tyler's voice where he has these almost eerie performances on some of these songs where I think that's what separates him. And maybe that's that little thing that like made him end up being a way bigger superstar than Robin Zander. It wasn't like technically being a better singer. It wasn't being able to hit these higher notes. It just was this something there, there is something like that's just one example. And there's other examples I have in my list of songs. Your point right there with his vocals just made me think of something that I was going to mention. Cause I was going to say maybe later, but I'll just say now. I kind of gained an appreciation for Steven Tyler doing this because I think, I guess I got into them later in the comeback, obviously the 90s and later on. And then like into the 2000s, he kind of became a parody of himself being on American Idol and just all the like, you know, drama about that. Was he falling off the stage all the time and stuff? Yeah. Well, you you just hit the nail on the head though with, because I was thinking, why would he be on American Idol? But maybe that's why is because. Maybe he's not technically, like, he wasn't technically the best, you know, like a Sebastian Bach or a Robin Zander, but he had, like, other nuances or something to his voice. Well, even just that whole scream, like, in Dream On, you know? Yeah. And just the, I, I, I don't want to do it. It'd be really funny to do it, but I can't bring myself to do my impression of that. But, I mean, that's, like, it's just unique. Like, yeah. no one else has done something that sounds just like that. I mean, yeah, tons of people have done all these other, you know, super high note deliveries and whatever, but he just, there's something in his voice and there's, I don't know, it's just always passionately delivered and he still, he does sound great for his age. I've seen bad performances. I've seen videos where he sounds like shit, you know, but they're few and far between and for fuck's sake, he's really old and obviously still hitting some things he shouldn't be, you know? I mean, he just went to rehab, right? Like, they just had to postpone the residency in Las Vegas, was it? Like, earlier this year or whatever, he had to go back into rehab, and then now they're doing it again. I mean, the guy still has his demons. Maybe those demons are part of that whole, what makes his voice and his delivery so great, because I think there are some really haunting moments in these early records that really aren't on the later records, and I think that's what makes these, for me the better albums you know yeah so it just sucks too talking about that because like joe perry he's had his health issues too so it's like how how much longer are these guys going to be around doing that too yeah i mean i'm glad i'm glad i saw him when i did you know so i was gonna ask yeah did you see him like when when did you see him like here in first time i saw him was with cheap trick opening speaking of robin zander and everything but honking on bobo tour okay yeah they were uh God, when was that? 2000, like, 2001? I think maybe 2003. Might have been. Those years of my life were a blur. Uh, no, I, I just know that Bayhan at the um, radio station, he had a big poster from that tour with like a ticket stub in there. Mm. Whatever. I always thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, it would have been right around there because, yeah, it was Honking on Bobo and Cheap Trick was touring on Special One. Oh, because they have that Just Press Play was like 01. So, yeah, it would have been like Honkin' on Bobo was 03. Yeah. 
Sounds right. Just push play was fucking terrible. Yeah, oh yeah. God, I hate that fucking album. Anyhow, we'll, well get that's into a whole that in the next episode. episode. Yeah. Have you seen Aerosmith live? No, I haven't. And you know what? I actually bought tickets with Pudge to see them 2014, but then for some reason he couldn't go because that's when he he was like traveling around for his job, and I had just uh, started a new job. So I didn't think I could get the time off. So we were actually going to give you the tickets to go, but you couldn't go either because you said it was Skyla's birthday. So it was. I feel like. Yeah, because it was, was it was the summer of 2014. I know we that were, for sure. I think we were going to go. Yeah, because I think. And then we canceled at the last minute because then her mom ended up going into labor. Oh, maybe that's what it was. I just and knew that you couldn't go on either. her birthday, so she shares oh. a birthday with her younger sister. Yeah, but I was excited because it was Aerosmith, and then Slash was opening up. Yeah, I kind of forgot so. about that until you just said that. But yeah, yeah, because I remember obscure shit. Yeah, but that's well, I what I bring now. to this podcast. So, well, I remember you know that her sister was born the same day, and that's why we ended up not going. I did see Joe Perry, though, because he's got that Hollywood Vampires like cover band thing with Alice Cooper and Johnny Depp, and they actually played the Alice Cooper's Christmas Pudding. Right. Well, they were going to play another year that I was going to go, but Joe Perry had like issues, like respiratory issues. So that's where he canceled a whole bunch of dates, even with Aerosmith, and he didn't come for that. Yeah. But, but he was there the one time, and it was cool. It was like... Holy crap, Joe Perry's like from me to your guitar over there. Yeah. He's a bad motherfucker. Like he, I mean, he's just one of those when you see him live, like he's just cool. Yeah, know? he's just like a superstar up it's there. It's like Slash. Like, it's like yeah. him and Slash or two that you see him live and they're just, I don't know, man. They're just like a force to be reckoned with when they're on stage. You know? Yeah. It might not be the technically the flashiest or best guitar player or whatever, but there's just something. Like they just own that fucking role. Yeah. You know? And Joe Perry is fucking Joe Perry, man. There's only one. It's kind of like Slash. There's only one, you know? Well, you had an honorable mention that was, remember, of walking in the sand in parentheses. Mm-hmm. I have an honorable remember. mention. And mine's kind of the same way. It's Bone to Bone with Coney Island Whitefish in parentheses from the same album. When I was first diving into Aerosmith like 10 years ago, it was. Yeah, it was like 10 years ago. That one stood out because it was just cool. It was like fast and it was like, I don't know. It sounded just like. It's a great song. Yeah. It sounded really cool. But then I'm like, as I got more and more into more stuff, I'm like, I just don't know if it ranks as high as some of these other ones. Right. So it's just, but I wanted to include it somehow because it was maybe my first, one of my first favorite Aerosmith songs. I'm not going to argue with that yeah. one. I think it's a good one. So, Dude, it's just really fast. Like, I don't know. I have an idea because I was thinking about this, and like, I don't ever feel like mine are really ranked. Like, sometimes I feel like I have a definitive one, and then yeah. maybe two and three. But we always end up, when well, we agree on one, when we have a similar one, we'll end up getting off, I'll, you know, we'll get off course and whatever. Yeah. So... I'm not going to bother saying any of mine are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, um, ten. I don't know that I can rank them. Like, I love them so yeah. much. I had a hard enough time fucking getting ten that I'm calling my ten. And next week, it'd probably be totally different. So I think if we just have, like, a similar one, like a like one, we should just chime in and say, oh, oh okay, hey, I got sure. that one too and talk about yeah. it. And then that way, 
we won't get too crazy off course and worry yeah. about numbers, you know what I mean? So that's just my thought. Yeah. But if you got a- Yeah, cuz usually like it is like I'll try to like bite my tongue for later, yeah. but yeah, I guess you're saying just But if you got like number out, 1 with a bullet if you're like this is absolutely my all-time favorite song, then I mean just I guess I don't know, say that when we yeah. come up with it, you know. All right. Like if you say my all-time favorite song, I'll be like, oh, I got that on my list too. And that's my fucking all-time number one favorite song. You know what I mean? Yeah. So seems like it would just flow better that way. Right on. I like to just, you know, yeah. I like to hash this out on the air. All right. On the air. Like we're live. We're live. None of this will be edited. No, nah, man, we're going to duke it out. I'm just going to knock you out if that's... Oh, my God. If you got my number one at your number 10. <laughs> yeah, you started off. All right. Well, my number 10 is... From rocks. Dun, 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 rats in the cellar. Yeah, how about that one? Not on my list. Not on so. your list? Good, nice. I'm glad. I was hoping not. That's not why I picked it. I wasn't like, oh, Andy's going to hate this motherfucker. Yeah, but I was saying before, I don't want us to overlap, but I know we're going to. I had a hard to, time not putting this so. one on my list because I don't. it wasn't on my list at first, but then I found myself like... After listening to these albums this week, I found myself walking around just going and doing all this weird shit with my shoulders. Uh, and I just, I realized like, fuck man, that just is just like your I, son was doing. Upstairs. I love that song. Every time I hear it, it gets in my head for a while. And so I feel like that's just, that's a sign. Like it's one of my favorite songs, mm. you know? And I just, I don't know. It doesn't ever get old. Like, if I went and saw them live and they busted that out, and I'd probably be pretty fucking excited if they did, you know, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> just like that. So, and then I do that shoulder thing. I was just doing whatever it was. <laughs> so, yep. That's all I got to say about that. All that's right. my number 10. All right. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. Sorry. We're not a webcast. So anybody else can yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, how about your number 10? My number 10, going back to Get Your Wings album, Ooh. their sophomore album. Wow. My number 10 is Seasons of Wither. Dude, now I'm glad that didn't make my list. It was my number. Oh, really? It was my number 10 got replaced by Rats in the Cellar. Oh, damn. Because I just realized at some point that I was like, I think that I just used to really, really love that song, and I still dig it, but I think there's just so much more that grew on me over time Okay. to where it just kind of got replaced in my favorites list. We just talked earlier about his vocals. I think he's he sings really good on that. Like, it's a good Steven Tyler song. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. I was even looking up, and it's actually one of his favorite songs, too. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I love that song, and it's, uh, I don't know, I think maybe most days it would have been on my list. I just wasn't in the mood for something that somber. It has like a yeah. somber tone to it just throughout, you know what I mean? And I love it for that. Yeah, like that's what but, I like about it. It's yeah. kind of like that haunting kind of thing, too. Yeah. The music is kind of... I think that while I, I noticed that while I was listening to him this week, I wasn't in a ballad mood. Hmm. I kind of wish, like, as I was getting into Aerosmith, 
like I kind of was like, man, why isn't Seasons of Wither like a hit or something that was like on the radio? Why or at least the Dream On or the yeah, yeah. But then I guess I'm kind of glad um, that it wasn't because then I'd probably like hate it. Right. Yeah. You know what though? I'll honestly say, and I mean, some of the modern stuff, yeah, yes, but from this era, I don't think that there is an Aerosmith song that's on the radio that I don't still love. Oh, hmm. Because hmm. there's a few that I'm kind of like... I realized oh, that when I was yeah. going back through this because like listening to them within the context of the album and being able to crank them on like yeah. good speakers and being in the mood to listen to that and blah, blah, blah. Have I said blah, blah, blah already a lot? I feel like I have. No more of that. Yeah. You just throw blah, something. Blah, blah, blah and mentions. Throw, <laughs> throw something at me next okay. time I say it. No, but uh, I just realized, like, I don't really want to name any songs, but there were songs where I was like, fuck, yeah, you know? And they didn't even make my list, but I still was just like, oh, fuck, yeah, the song is the shit, you know? Yeah, there's just <laughs> nothing that you're burnt out on. But I, I guess me that, working at there one is. of those stations, it's kind well, of... Well, I mean, like, I, so I, you know, so. I share an office with a guy who has this clock radio from, like, 1982... And so it sounds like shit too. Like when you're just listening to it coming through a shitty speaker, sounding all monotone and it's just like background noise. It's like, ah, fuck. You know, I don't really want to hear sweet emotion ever again. But then you like crank it up and you really listen to it on a real stereo or like in your fucking earbuds and it's turned up and it's, you know, then it's like a whole different thing. And it's like, well, fuck. Okay. These are still great songs. A whole new world. I still love them. Are we on to my number nine? Yes. My next pick is from the album Draw the Line, and it is Dig It, Dig It, Dig It, Dig Draw the Line. Oh, Draw the Line. Title track. Oh. I'm not sure if I actually, you know, made any sense out of my... <laughs> Well, now we're adding clips, and we've got production values now. We don't, oh, have, we don't have to do our own sound effects. We don't have effects. to do this shit. Yeah, I've, man, that riff, though, it's, I don't know. That was another song that was just, like, in my head all fucking week yeah. to where I was like, this can't not be on my list, you know? So I love the, uh, it's just, man, that song just kicks ass. It does. Like, it's yeah. one that I honestly would love to cover. Like, if I was going to cover an Aerosmith song, that might be towards the top of the list of songs I would want to cover. I think it might be in a weird tuning. I mean, a lot of times some of these, like, Joe Perry likes to do a bunch of weird tunings and shit. You know, mm. for when he's doing a slide work and whatnot. I guess I don't have much more to offer than that, but that's a fucking badass song. Checkmate, honey, beat you at your own damn game. Man, that man, now you're making me like question why I don't have that. This stuff has to get cut. It I does. Guess. You can only have ten you're gonna or, s- or eleven because of Dude, our honorables. I literally was changing my fucking list all the way up until like I don't know, right before I left to go pick the pizza up. Really? I could not settle on ten. It was driving me insane. Oh, it was like last, you're welcome. Last minute, I was just like, "Fuck this! I can't leave this song off of there," and kicked one to the fucking curb and put another <laughs> one on there. Well, I was excited too, just because like, well, I I made this list before we even kind of settled on. This being the next episode, and when we were, when we were gonna record, so yeah, I've went through various versions of mine too because I had mine done. I'm like, well, I'm gonna be ready whenever we do this. I got a day off from work. I'm I'm banging out some Aerosmith. Fuck, I started scribbling stuff out, <laughs> and then I just basically just Panic. re rewrote everything yesterday morning. Before Am I right? Work. So was that uh, all you had for draw the line, sir? 
I think so. All right. Well, I'm on to my next one, number nine. Going with the first album cut, Mama Kin. Ooh, that's all mine too. This is one that I was flipping flopping on, like Draw the Line and then the Coney Island Whitefish song. Cause I'm like, I like this song, but I don't know if I love it or not. But then the more that I listened to it, I was like, this song is really cool. Cause you used a word before talking about a prince, his vocals or his phraseology or something. And I thought Steven Tyler, he has the same thing in here, like where he's like, Something on the dragon or like wagon. Yeah. I don't know. He has all these rhymes in there, but then he like hangs on it. And I thought he was saying other words, but then he's like, he just got all sorts of shit in this song with his voice and like rhymes and stuff. It's a great tune. Yeah. I love the riff. Dun, 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 mm. dun. And then it's got like the horns kind of come in. Yeah, the horns too. in there too. It's it's yeah. cool. You, what we got your tail on the wag. Yeah. Shooting fire from your mouth just like a dragon. Yeah, that's what he's saying. But he doesn't like, say like whatever I just did. Yeah, but that's because I ain't singing. Yeah, I'm just talking shit. Yeah, no, dude, I'm with you on that one. I love it, and I really loved like the live version that Guns N' Roses did. Yeah, because I wrote that down too. Yeah. yeah, I think I heard that one first from yeah. Lies. I might have too. Now that I think about yeah. it, I'm trying to remember, I feel like. Man, is there a live version of Mama Kin by Aerosmith? Like probably they like have a couple on, live like I, that live bootleg and yeah. then they've got the classics live and then they have another I'm almost wondering if I heard even their live version before I heard their studio. I don't know. It's it's all a blur, you know. Or didn't they have a weird live album where it looked like a guy's at a gas station oh, or something? Yeah. yeah. I have yeah. that one somewhere, like mm-hmm. South Side of Sanity or something like that. Yeah, something like a guy's got a gas pump or yeah. the yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I got to say about Mama Kin, but you had that. Mama Kin. Is well, that higher up on yours? It was. It was. But again, like, I didn't really feel like I ranked these too much. Oh. You all know? Right. I feel like it's the same as always, man. I feel like my top three, I would probably, if I had a gun to my head, I'd call them my top three. And then if I had to pick a top five with uh, a gun to my head, I'd probably just die. I'd get a <laughs> shot. I'd be like, I can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to go again, or do you want me to go? You can just go again. That's fine. Go mm. again. Well, so my next one is from Toys in the Attic, which I think I already mentioned it was going to be really hard to not put yeah. like the entire album on here. You did. And it's the song Round and Round. Oh, that's a good one. And I think, to me, this is a really good example of Steven Tyler's vocals being of that haunting nature. There's just something about it. I don't know what it is. Like, I can't put my finger on it. And it's literally... Like, there's a heaviness to this song. Like, it's possibly the heaviest song on that record. Possibly the heaviest song they've ever done. Just something about it. You know what I mean? I don't mean heavy in the sense of... No, it doesn't sound anything like... You know, yeah. but uh, I really wish just somebody would have videotaped whatever I just lyrically. did with my face. But <laughs> <laughs> no, not even heavy subject matter. It's just, it's just, it just has a sound that's dark, like darker than the oh. rest of that record. And 
you know, and I don't know what it is. I don't. It's one of those things I can't put my finger on it. You're making me think of Back to the Future because I just thought of that where he's like, like Marty McFly keeps saying stuff's heavy and he goes, <laughs> you keep saying stuff's heavy. What's wrong with the Earth's gravitational uh, pull in the future in 1985? <laughs> like he's taking him yeah. seriously. <laughs> this is heavy, Doc. This is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. I. Uh, it, it's just one of those things. I don't know what it is about that song. It just has a sound. And the sound alone, like, it comes on. And, like, when I was going back revisiting all this stuff, just hit me again. Like, fuck, man, this song has such a fucking vibe to it that, like, it doesn't need to have the best riff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to have the best fucking lyrics, which, you know, I mean, they got some cool lyrics and stuff, but I don't know. Most of their stuff is kind of tongue-in-cheek anyhow. But some stuff is really cool. I'll give credit where credit's due, right? There's some great... I mean, Steven Tyler does write some great lyrics. Uh, but I don't think that this song is any of that. It's just the overall vibe. It's like everything collectively making this one really great sound that is a great song. We're going to have to crank that one up when we polish off the pizza then. Hell yeah. All right, well... So we're on to my next one, my number eight, and it's probably their biggest song or their biggest hit, or maybe it's just for me, my most basic bastard choice, but it's Dream On from the first record. Dream on, dream on, dream on, dream on. His voice and the haunting, and you even mentioned it too. Oh, the high pitch thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a great fucking that's a great song. It really is like one of the best compositions they've ever done. Too. Yeah, I mean the the guitar composition's fucking great on that. It's pretty cool. Like I I looked it up. Steven Tyler like wrote that on piano like before they even like like had a band. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of cool. Well, and think yeah, about how many songs where even the instrumentation's so memorable that you could sing a melody line and. Like, first thing yeah. that pops in my head is the guitar line where it's like, doodly 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 You know, right before it goes back. <laughs> yeah. the, dun, 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 you know. I mean, it's just there's – that song was so well written, probably because, like you're saying, like Steven Tyler wrote it back before they had the band. Well, then they come in and you get the band and then you get two great guitar players that sit down and they have all the time in the yeah, world yeah. to just sit and hash this thing out. And so it's like every single fucking guitar run, every little lick is memorable and it's like shit, man. To fucking capture a song like that is totally lightning in a fucking bottle, you know? Yeah, I was thinking about that because that's like, it could be their biggest song and it's on their first album. Yeah. So like, but then they have all these other albums, all these other hits after that. It's like some bands are like, would be like lucky to have like one like that or have that like that early. Probably wouldn't get to a song that great until their third record or something. Yeah. Or even if you think about it, Mama Ken, so these two songs I have, my nine and eight are on the same album, and he like sounds like totally different too in those songs. Yeah, he his voice definitely changed at some point where I think he said something a long time ago about that. About how he was just kind of trying to sing in a different voice during that whole first record. And then after that, he kind of just cut loose and was like, whatever, you know? Yeah, because I think I read something where they were nervous in the studio, too, because they're, like, obviously, like, super young. Yeah, just so green. They were probably freaking out, yeah. you know? So, records tell a story, man. They're like a fucking, 
like almost like a snapshot, like a pol- Polaroid picture of a certain time frame and all these artists' lives and stuff, you know. And that's why I always find it weird when there's bands that like want to go back and re-record something. Yeah, like go back and re-record an album or a song, or it's like ah, I could see you doing it live or something, you know, and releasing a live version, but or maybe even just one song, but re-recording a whole record seems weird because it's like, shouldn't that be like a just like a moment in time and yeah that was a trend for a while and i don't know if i think one that sticks out in my head talking about that is def leppard they re-recorded some but i think it was something with all the stuff becoming on itunes and apple music right they didn't have the rights to it so they were like trying so to they were like it. well we want to have the rights to this version so let's put this out but yeah. then yeah but then you've got like scorpions they did a whole album of like basically a greatest hits thing, but they re-recorded them all. It's like, I don't know, that just seems excessive or something. I mean, I guess Taylor Swift's doing it. Yeah, and I bought them all. Yeah, but she's almost doing it for her like uh, for her record label too, or recording, <clears throat> kind of like a fuck you to that. Yeah, guy. yeah, she's definitely. I mean, I I'm behind her doing it and why she's doing it. I mean. Oh, so I think we're on to my next pick. Yep. Which is like my seventh. So mine comes from A Night in the Ruts. Oh. Yeah. Like that dramatic pause. Yeah. So it is the song Cheesecake, which is (laughs) so funny to say. But I love that song. I love the slide work, like Joe Perry. That was, you know, Steven Tyler, Joe Perry co-write. And you can tell, like, Joe Perry's slide work is just like this big old badass sexy fucking you know <laughs> and it's just so funny because it's like almost kind of creepy like steven tyler's fucking daddy do it <laughs> you know? oh daddy do it <laughs> Man, i love that song i don't know why it's just one of those that over time like when i first heard it i thought it was so ridiculous so like the first thing i ever owned for all the classic Aerosmith stuff before I got all the old albums and stuff. I got that Pandora's box box set that came out. Yeah. I remember I got it for Christmas. I was, uh, geez, 12, maybe. I can't really remember. But it was junior high year, so sixth, seventh, eighth grade, somewhere in there. And I remember they reshot the video for Sweet Emotion. They shot an actual MTV music video for Sweet Emotion for the release of Pandora's box. And oh. that, so that was the one where it was like the guy sitting on the couch and he's talking to like the hot chick on like the phone sex line. But then at the end of the video, he hangs up and then you find out it was actually like this big fat, like housewife taking care of like <laughs> 60 kids in a kitchen and smoking a cigarette and cooking dinner and just looking wow. all worn out and gross while she's like talking dirty to this guy. <laughs> you don't remember that video? No, I don't. Oh my God, dude, you got to look it up. But, uh, Anyhow, so that was like, I think, my first introduction, now that I think about it, to the classic Aerosmith era. And at the, so at the time, I thought it was new. I didn't really mm-hmm. understand. I mean, I was young enough to where I was just getting into Aerosmith with permanent vacation, pump, stuff was just coming out around then. And so Pandora's box came out. That might have been between permanent vacation and pump, if I remember correctly. And I remember this song being on there and being like, cheesecake. Who the fuck writes a song called Cheesecake? And then I listened to it and I was like, God, that's fucking stupid. 
And then now I love it. Now it's like, I just, the, it just has such a cool fucking slide lick <laughs> on it. And I love just that, like the halftime, you know, it's got like that cool little halftime drum beat and everything. And, you know, <laughs> and then something just about dad to do it. Like, I just, I don't know. I might wind up singing that in bed later, you know, <laughs> Courtney might punch me in the face. Who knows? Who knows what's going to go on? <laughs> She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get off of me. <laughs> oh, man. But I don't know. It's one of those. It's funny because the chorus doesn't even get in my head, you know, because then it kicks into the cheesecake. Dun, 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 cheesecake. And it's so corny. <laughs> it's so corny. It's But it's it's so funny to me. Like, I think I like it because it's that corny because it's got like the, I don't know, like he's trying to be like sexy or something and kind of like seductive daddy do it no no daddy do it and then it kicks into cheesecake <laughs> and all that pizza we ate i do not have any room for any cheesecake so yeah man i don't know i feel like uh beer and then pizza like you know that saturday night life thing where he's like i got pull of sausages caught in the lining of my heart i feel like i got like pizza like Lodge right here in my rib cage or something. Like a whole piece of pizza is just Dude, right my here. gut is heavy. My gut is so heavy. I inhaled just a whole pizza slice and it stuck. Man. I feel like I'm so... My gut feels so fucking big and bloated right now. I feel like I fucking swallowed Dan Connor. <laughs> like 1987, John Goodman... Playing Dan Connor, flannel shirt and work boots and all. I feel like I ate him and he's in my stomach right now. That's oh, how, God. that's how fucking huge and bloated my stomach feels right now. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, anyhow. Oh man. I did have a request to discuss the new Taylor Swift album on here. It doesn't have anything to do with Aerosmith, but John randomly texted me. I was like, "Hey, on the next episode, I want you guys to review." The new Taylor Swift album. I'm like, well, we don't really review new releases anymore. Or you didn't really dig the new album, did you? I mean, I haven't. I didn't even finish it. I I didn't didn't even finish it. And I know I sound like I'm even questioning my status of being a Swifty because really, I think I only like pop Taylor Swift. I don't really like country, and I don't really like the folksy stuff. You and my kids. I like. My little sweet spot is 1989, Red, and Lover. I kind of like those. Yeah. I like the upbeat, poppy stuff. I just want to dance, like I said before. I just want to <laughs> dance. just wants to dance, people. Well, yeah. I got to give the new one a better chance because I really dug the first few songs, and then it kind of lost me in the middle. And I don't – I feel like – I listened to the back half of that record as background music and didn't really digest it. There might be something in there that's fucking amazing that I just didn't get and gravitate towards yeah. yet. I did like Antihero. Yeah, I like that song. Yeah. But then there was, well, which version are you talking about? Are you talking about the 13 song? Or then there's a 20 song version too, right? Fuck, I don't know. I think there was a Deluxe with 20. That's a Deluxe. <laughs> yeah. I can't keep up with this chick. I don't know. Where are we at? I think we're on to your next pick. My next pick, my number seven. It was the last child. 
about that. I don't know. Now I'm kind of Paul Stanley in it. Uh, that was a little Paul Stanley, but that's on my list too. Yeah. I had that up at number three. It's got this kind of like herky jerky kind of funky rhythm. Last child. Just a punk in the street. I think it's like. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to edit in the clips because we got a budget now. No, I love that song, dude. I love like you just have that really mellow intro. Yeah, like it sounds like it's two like different songs. Thing, like I almost kinda. think it's going to be a different song. Yeah, and then it goes into this. I'm like, oh, Take like my back to Yeah, I think I almost always forget <laughs> that this song exists. Oh yeah, and then I'll go play the album, and then I'm like, fuck, Last Child. You know, I don't know. It's one I always like forget about. Honestly, I love this song. It doesn't get enough. Like it's on the radio sometimes, but it doesn't get quite enough. Yeah, radio love, but like, I don't want it. To, I'm glad it doesn't because I think I appreciate yeah. that one more, and that's why it's on my list because it's almost like the the obvious radio stuff just didn't even. I, I never took it into consideration because I just instantly was gravitating towards the stuff that's kind of deeper cuts and whatever, right? Yeah, like cheesecakes and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> cheesecake. I really love eating it. I'm gonna make my own version of it. <laughs> Your version would be red velvet cake. Yeah. Right? Red velvet cheesecake. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh yeah. God damn. I could actually eat some cheesecake now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I could not physically eat any. I'm struggling yeah. with this bit. Every time I take a drink of beer, I'm like out of breath. <laughs> yes. I'm like loosening another notch on my belt, slash I'm actually not wearing a belt. I'm gonna need somebody to like slash I'm not really wearing pants anymore. <laughs> All right, man. That's all I got to say about Last Child. It's just, it's just. I'll just put the clip in there. The clip says it all. That does say it all. Well, you should go again because the last time we had a oh, like. Oh yeah, because you've already had uh, yeah. five songs. Last time Whatever. we had a like one. Yeah. I went again, so now you can go again. All right, my number six. It is SOS. Too oh. bad. But it's not SOS. Like, SOS, help me. It's same old shit. Same old shit. And that's what the SOS is. But this song is really fucking cool. And like I said, the herky-jerky thing. And this is very, like, chuggy. It's got, like, a chuggy rhythm to it. That's, like, how I would describe it. And there's something that I wrote down that I wanted to remember to mention. It was bluesy, and the word blues is a combination of blues and booze, B-L-O-O-Z-E, oh. or something. So somebody on Wikipedia or whatever that was like entering in these articles like described Aerosmith as blues, blues with a Z. So I looked it up, and I wrote this down, and it was like, Rolling Stone or something, like, actually, I don't know if they came up with that term, but it was an instance of, they use that in Rolling Stone magazine in the 90s, describe Aerosmith's, like, sound. Hmm. So, uh, I like it. cool. I like the blues and I like the booze. Yeah. So, I was trying to bring some facts to this show. Somebody's got to, because there ain't nothing but nonsense coming out of my mouth. That was my number six, SOS. Hell yeah. Well... So I've got five left. How many do you got? I got four left. 
Oh, four left. Yep. So then should I go again? Eh, it don't matter. I can go. I'll just go again. Okay, go again. Because I don't think that you're going to have this one. Oh, really? My number five, I always am a weirdo about B-sides and deep cuts. Uh-oh. My number five is just that. Chip Away the Stone. Oh, yeah. It was only on, I guess, the live album until it was on Gems with the studio version. But I like that song. I kind of forgot about that one until you just said it now. Because I don't think I went back and listened to Gems now that I think about it. I actually, so that's on the box set, but I don't own Gems. Hmm. But there's not really a need to having all the albums and having yeah. the box set. But well, that was one of the first things when I got into Aerosmith. Like I said, like ten years ago, I think I bought I bought the essentials, like the greatest hits. Yeah, I think I came across Gems at Co-op. I'm like, what's this? And it seemed like it was like basically Gems is like a deep cuts compilation kind of thing or stuff that wasn't the hits. Right. So I felt like I kind of had all the classic stuff then with that. So I didn't yeah. have the albums. But Back when you used to say to yourself, well, I don't have to own every album, so I'll just buy this, and then I'll buy this, and then I won't have to have yeah. all the albums. I used to do that, but then I'd just end up wanting yeah. all the albums. And now <laughs> there's stuff, we're probably the same with you, where I bought it on CD, and now I bought it on vinyl, or maybe I bought it on CD, but I didn't think I liked it. But then, so I traded it back to Bob, and then years later I liked it, so I bought it again on CD. So I probably rebought it from Bob, and then bought it on vinyl. Well, Bob's enjoying it. Yeah. He's enjoying all that money you've thrown at him, buying the same record three times. Same Probably the copy same copy and from just him, sat yeah. on his shelf for five years. Yeah. Well, that's a good pick, man. That was one that I, I think pretty well flew under the radar for me this entire Aha! This entire time we were making yeah. this, you know. So, I mean, I, I feel like I had yeah. probably the same. I probably had like 15 that were like up for consideration. Hmm. You know what I mean? That I just kept. Yeah, juggling around with like oh, I don't know what do I want to do. My next pick is uh, from Toys in the Attic. Again, hmm. I'm not bashful about how much I love that fucking record, and even how much I love that record above. How many times did you buy any that of album? the 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 others? Uh, twice I think. I have it on CD, I have it on vinyl, and then I I have a second copy on vinyl, but it's because. Uh, buddy, my buddy George, when he moved, he just gave me like a box of records, and I happened to have a copy in there. So, oh, cool. So I have two copies of that on vinyl, but I only paid for one of them, and then, and then, yeah, I have it on CD. So you got so, like sentimental copy. Yeah. So I wasn't lucky enough to have that one on eight track. I'd love to tell you that I bought it a third time, but uh, there hasn't been like a deluxe box set, you know. So it's not quite like. Springsteen's Born to Run or Darkness yeah. on the Edge of Town where I've you know had like this <laughs> definitive box set version that I have to buy yeah, after yeah. already purchasing it on CD and uh vinyl. They're one now. band too that like they don't they don't fuck around reissuing stuff. Yeah, cuz you got like well we got the Kiss Creatures of the Night thing coming out soon. And then, so that's like in a deluxe thing. Yeah. And there was a deluxe destroyer. Or what you're talking about with the Springsteen thing was he releases like huge, expansive box sets. Which those are pretty, but, but he's done some really fucking good ones. I mean, 
Yeah, or the things we got. We got some of those Sabbath ones where they're in the big box yeah. with the live album and stuff. Yeah, I'll say Posters. Getting it for that sale price was well worth it. Yeah. I think that the initial release, the price was yeah, a little Yeah, I paid steep. the full. I know. We've talked about it a few times. I was trying not to, you know, yeah. bring it back up. But Oh, I don't care. I feel like I got my money's worth. Yeah, I mean, if you're happy with it, you know. I just struggle anymore spending that kind of money on shit because it's just like, God damn, man, how much more of my fucking money are you going to take? Yeah. You know? So thank you, Aerosmith, for not raping your fans. Yeah. I feel like Tony Iommi and Ozzy Osbourne have enough money, but we're yeah. just, no, Sharon! take more of my money. Take more of my money. Yeah. Uh, was <laughs> I on to my next pick? You had some from starting, Toys in the Attic. I, yeah, yeah, I was starting to talk, and I didn't say it. <laughs> you didn't even say it. You were talking about Toys in the I Attic. Know. I was like, oh, I love Toys in the Attic. Blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Sorry, I totally got us off the rails. Though. That was my well, fault. It's about time somebody yeah. else fucks this up. So, <laughs> Adam's Apple from Toys oh. in the Attic. The guitar alone is... Uh, Probably that that's probably one of my favorite riffs ever. And uh I loved it so much. I was so I had like this little band for a while. Oh, how's your little band doing? I know, I just said it to myself like you know, I had this little band. I mean we weren't a big band, so we were a little band and we kinda sucked. But we I don't know why the hell I just went on that whole rant. But anyhow met a couple guys that wanted to do covers. They at least wanted to do cool covers and stuff, and so I learned the bass player wanted to do Adam's Apple, and I think a couple other Aerosmith songs, and he wanted to sing them, whatever, so I was like, well, I fucking love Aerosmith, those are fucking great songs, so yeah, I'll learn them, and so I learned that, I learned this song, and I just remember learning that fucking main riff, and it was so fucking cool, and the little bend, like, in the middle of the riff was so fucking cool, and then, like, I stole it and just, like, wrote my own song where I basically just, like, took the notes in that same bend and changed the order a little bit. I kind of simplified it, really, hmm. and then like made my own easy, you know, poor man's Joe Perry version of a Aerosmith riff, and hmm. made my own song with it. But uh, it was really funny too because I I remember having several people compliment me on that riff after like playing it live or putting the song out and people hearing it and whatever. And a couple buddies that were like guitar players and stuff were like, "Man, that's a really badass riff." Blah blah blah. I was like, "Yeah, I mean." I stole it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's totally Adam's Apple by Aerosmith, just like the note, the same notes yeah. in a different order kind of thing, right? But, uh, hey, but that's what other musicians have done. Well, that's didn't didn't Damon Johnson even told us, too? We were sitting right there and he goes, Oh, the everybody borrows from everybody. That's the mm. whole fucking thing, man. I mean, you know, wear your influences on your sleeve. And so I don't know, that song's always stuck with me for that reason. I think that after I learned how to play it, that riff was so fucking cool. It was even cooler yeah. knowing how to play it and then kind of just blatantly stealing it for my own song. So, what song was it that you... you oh, mine? It? Yeah, I think you might have told me before. Long Way From Goodnight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always crack up now when I listen to it because at least though when I hear <laughs> it, to me, it doesn't sound... It's not like I yeah. hear the riff and go, oh, that sounds like this song. Yeah. Like, I think that I made it different enough to where I don't think, you know, it doesn't sound anything like it's it. It's not but. like ding, 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 ding. But he's got the ding, 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 or whatever, no, whatever I, that was. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I know I borrowed from it, but I don't think anyone else would pick up on Mine's that. Mine's got know, the extra ding. I really do. I mean, that song's just, the guitar work on it's so fucking cool. 
Now move on with your next pick. Quit making me feel Well, my guilty. next pick is not from Get Your Wings. It's not from Rocks. It's not even from Toys in the Attic. It's from Draw the Line. Do, 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 do. My number four is, it's hard to put at number four. I'm Shit. on the edge of my seat because I think it might be my number one. My number four is Kings and Queens. Damn, it is. My number one. This is one that, like, how I said, like, like I knew all the 90s stuff, you know, from just being beaten into your head on MTV oh, yeah. and, like, Rock 106 at the time and then working at GLO. But, like, this was not – Kings and Queens was not one that I'd ever heard on the radio before, but I heard it on Sirius XM, Ozzy's Boneyard. And there was a lady I was dating, and she had XM – So I was just flipping around in her car or whatever. This song came on, and I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. So this kind of was the point that kind of tipped me more towards maybe I need to uh, go deeper than just the Aerosmith, you know. Do your homework. Radio hits, yeah. I was like, fuck, because that was the year. Anyways, 2012 was the year I started on the air on there. I was kind of like really diving into classic rock stuff too. So Kings and Queens, man. It's a cool song. I am with you. I would say that that is, if I had to pick a favorite Aerosmith song, that might be my all-time favorite Aerosmith song. Mm. I mean, I'm not even joking. And I remember my, and I think now I, I have to contradict myself because I think I said before that my first introduction to the classic Aerosmith stuff was that Pandora's Box box set. But I am a liar because now I remember <laughs> before I got that, I bought that Red Greatest Hits CD. Yeah. And... I I bought it because it had Sweet Emotion on it. But then it had the version that didn't have the intro bass line. Oh. That version on The Greatest Hits just kicks right into the the chorus at the beginning. Oh, okay. So, what they'd say, the single or the radio edit version yeah, they maybe edit or something? Out, they don't have the fucking bass yeah. line intro thing. And uh, so... I bought it for that and was really disappointed because I was like, oh. So it doesn't have the talk boxy part? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. At the very beginning, that whole intro is not in there. Really? That's like the most distinct part of the song. Well, I'm telling you. I thought. Either that is. or I had a fucking weird-ass version of that CD. <laughs> but no, I did because I remember I <laughs> bought it. Where did you buy the CD from? Because I bought it. It, <laughs> it might have been like a fucking Columbia House thing. So maybe it was like a, I don't know, it was like some weird copy of the CD like made in Bangladesh. And, <laughs> Uh, the songs weren't even the right versions of the song. It might not have even been Aerosmith. Dude. It might have been like uh, the showbiz band. Uh, what were they called? Oh, what were they called? Oh, fuck. The Rockafire Explosion. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was actually them covering Aerosmith, and I didn't even – my first exposure to classic Aerosmith wasn't even really Aerosmith. Oh, man. But it turned me on to Kings and Queens. That was like – that and the fucking Remember Walking in the Sand cover was on that. And for some reason, like – I think those two songs were like my two favorite fucking songs. It's just something about it. And it just sounds not. It's got some eh, eh, eh part or something that's like. At the time, to me, yeah. it didn't sound like Arrows. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't. It didn't sound like anything else they'd ever done. Like now it does to me because, I mean, they had. I still don't think it is. Or even the subject matter. It almost sounds like a Dio song if you just look at the yeah, lyrics. Yeah, I mean, he's doing more of like a Zeppelin-y kind of like singing about. Yeah, like rainbow weird shit, yeah. but kings and queens and elves and demons and Satan and no. 
don't guillotines know what or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just mm. saying random shit. Yeah. I'm excited, Andy. I'm glad we, you know, I didn't want to agree on any just because I wanted more shit to talk about. But then at the same time, I'm glad we agreed on that one. Yeah, so you don't have to kick me off my own show. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I'm fucking like just out of breath, fat and bloated. Yeah. I am eating too much pizza. Yeah, but look at this. I've got all stool. my beer basically gone. Yeah, I've, we've done pretty good at drinking beer for a couple guys all fat and bloated with pizza. Mm-hmm. Should I go next? Um, I've got three songs left. I have two. So um, so I guess I'm going? God, I guess if you just want to keep hogging the spotlight. My number three is actually from Toys in the Attic. Holy shit. It's walk this way. Walk this way. <laughs> Well, my note that I wrote down, it's undeniable. Because I think that I said, like, Dream On might be their biggest hit. It's got to be, like, up there. In I their bet upper more people. Ep- upper echelon of songs, Dream On. But Walk This Way, that has to be the most important song in the history of Aerosmith. And I'm saying I think it's the most important because it was... A good song back in the day, obviously, right? But then it basically relaunched them into this MTV era that we'll have a second episode for because they Run tried DMC. to come back. They tried to come back, getting all the guys back in the band. We got the band back together for Done With Mirrors. But it kind of flopped. Yeah, nobody cared. But cared. then Run DMC, they like sampled Walk This Way, and then they got Joe Perry, Steven Tyler in there. Boom, kick down the door like the Kool-Aid man in the video. I think I remember that right. one. They, like, bust through the wall, and they're, like, you know, like, singing and stuff. So, see, they, like, basically were, like, back on top of the world with that one. So it's got to be their most important song in Aerosmith's career. Probably is. I'll give you that one. Because they had a hit in two different eras. Dude, I mean, so. I love the guitar work on that, the back and forth between the two licks. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that right there just defines Aerosmith as far as their guitar work goes and everything and and you know fucking Guns N' Roses for that matter like that was the shit that the uh, that was like the formula that Guns N' Roses followed when they came out kind of those two guitar parts fucking uh, kind of ricocheting off of each other you know yeah I love it I like it man and then I even I like it I love it I want some more of it I even came across this the walk this way the title comes from Young Frankenstein. Yeah. I remember um, Yeah, because Marty Feldman's like, walk this way. And he like humps or whatever over. And, no, this way. And makes him walk with his little cane. Yeah. Mm. I recall. Yeah. Because they went, they couldn't, wasn't the story like they couldn't come up with uh, the lyrics. They were yeah, working so on the song. Yeah, so they saw the movie or something. Yeah, and, and they like left, left the fucking rehearsal space just to go like watch a movie and take a break. Yeah. And they watched that movie in the theater and then came back and basically fucking wrote that song. Yeah. Yeah. The rest finished is history. it off. Yeah. So that's all I got to say about that. Well, I guess. So my next song, I don't know why I'm looking at pulling my list back up and it's like, I don't need to look at it. Well, yeah, I only got two left yeah. and they're both from the same album. I'll spoiler alert it with that, but I won't tell you what's what. <laughs> So my next one is the title track from the album that I've mentioned 4,000 times. Toys, toys, toys. In the attic. 
that song, I've always loved it just because it has like such a the way it just kicks in. You know, like there's no yeah. there's no like intro. There's not like yeah. a there's not like a slow <laughs> ding 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 or like, or that like sweet a more Yeah, there's nothing to lead you into it. Out. It's just like <laughs> you know, just fuck you. Just punching you in the face. I love that. I fucking love it. And I'm trying to think. They opened. The first time I saw them, they opened with it. Oh, really? Cool. They had this small little stage out in the center. And they came out and they got on that tiny little stage. And they opened with Toys in the Attic. They did like, I can't remember what the other songs were. They did like one or two other songs. And then like ran down a fucking little catwalk to the bigger stage, you know? Oh, neat. And then kicked cool. into like Love in an Elevator and did, you know, did all that stuff, all that MTV bullshit. I'm just kidding. I like that song, actually. I like Love in an Elevator, but we'll talk about that next time. But yeah, I don't, t- Toys in the Attic's cool to me, that song, because it's just like, I don't know, it's a little like, I don't even want to say punky, but it kind of is. Like, it just kind of has a dirty, sloppy feel to it. And, you know, I don't know. It's unique. It's, I think it's you un- hit the nail on the head with the sloppy thing because it kind of does. Yeah, sloppy because it kind of does. It's kind of erratic. Like it's, like it's, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it kind of goes into this more melodic thing with the verse where the guitar and the vocal melodies kind of sync up, you yeah. know, and then it goes back into the toys, toys, toys. Yeah. And, uh, yep. I bet you didn't see that one coming as much as I've been jerking that album off all night. And we still got one more from that album, too, right? Yeah, you do. And oh, boy, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> all right. Well, my next one, my number deuce, my number two on my list. This this could be, if you ask me tomorrow, this might be my favorite one. It's hard to have it at number two, but I'll quit whining. It's from Rocks, and it's nobody's fault. It doesn't sound like Aerosmith. Like when I first heard it, I'm like, what? This is Aerosmith? It's just got some kind of guitar thing. Like some kind of weird guitar tone in it. I don't know. It's just kind of like, I liked it just for that, for the sound of the song. And I didn't even know what the lyrics were other than nobody's fault. But this week, I went and actually looked up the lyrics on my phone because Apple Music... You can click a button and it'll have the lyrics that'll kind of go by. And it's basically talking about Armageddon or something or how we let the world burn and all this shit's going on. (coughs) Shit piled up to your knees or whatever, you know? It just kind of sounds like you could basically write it like right now. Like it sounds like what's going on now. Everybody's at each other's throats. Oh, well, it's it's your fault. Well, no, it's your fault. Ah, All this political. There's no like middle ground It's nobody's fault. God damn it. Yeah. Aerosmith said it decades ago. Yeah. I thought you were just going to... But, yeah. I thought you were going to have something uh, regarding Armageddon, the movie. Oh. Like, it was like they... Wrong, wrong era, Brent. They were almost like, I don't know, seeing oh, into the precursor future. precursor to their... Yeah. Oh. They had a crystal ball, yeah. and they could see that they were going to do a song for a movie called yeah. Armageddon. Hmm. Maybe. 
Maybe I don't know. This song is just fucking cool. Like it, it just sounds like a fucking monster like riff in there. Rocks, man. That's that's my toys in the attic. Because my next one is still when we come back to it. The other one's from Rocks, but I'll let you do your. Number All right. One. Well, it was my number one, but then I decided Kings and Queens was my number one. So my next pick, way up towards the top of my list is also like i mentioned before from toys in the attic and this was another one i remember first time i saw them when they busted this out like towards the end of the set i was like fuck that's cool because i didn't expect to hear it i thought it'd be really badass if they played it but it was one that like i didn't really realize they would still play it because it's Mm -hmm. a little bit more of a deep cut from toys in the attic and the song no more no more I knew that's what I was going to be. Fuck. No more, no I love it, man. That song is just so fucking good. It's almost like three songs, you know, that just yeah. fucking cohesively blend together into this fucking perfect song. So you've got like this kind of straightforward rock and roll verse, dun, 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 you know, is that the one that's like something horse and carriage? Yeah, so it goes into the. It's got that. So then it goes into the. So then it kind of goes into like the kind of chorus thing where yeah. it kind of has the no more, no more. And it's got a cool fucking, you know. Yeah. Like the Joe Perry fucking harmony thing is very distinct on there. Like I just. There's those moments where them two singing together sounds really fucking cool, really good. Yeah. I think that's just one of those great moments. And then, yeah, it kind of has like the. I don't know, not really a bridge because it happens after after every chorus. So maybe it's just part of the chorus or it's like a yeah whatever the fuck it is. So yeah, it goes into that where it slows down. It's baby, I'm a dreamer. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that whole thing is just, God, it's fucking cool. I yeah. mean, it's literally, it, it feels is. like three fucking songs that somehow work as this one fucking unit that, I don't know, man. I fucking, that song to me. It really is like so. Now I'm talking myself back into it. Like it probably is my favorite Aerosmith song, Kings and Queens. This so it's funny because I put Kings and Queens at number one today, and No More, No yeah. More was at number one the whole fucking time. I only moved Kings and Queens up, I think, because I listened to it today. Yeah, and it was just like one of those moments where I'm like so fucking into it and. You know, to where I just so like, Kings and Queens for us was probably our one where we're just had our eyes opened and we're like, fucking Aerosmith, whoa! So it's got this sentimental thing that keeps it up high, but it's still a good song. Well, then it was but different. It was probably the first yeah, thing we heard. Like, that, whoa, you know, you know, first thing we heard because we hadn't dove into the albums yeah. and get all the deep cuts. So it was like the first thing from Aerosmith that we heard where it was like this other characteristic of Aerosmith that we didn't know existed. Yeah. Like it was darker. It was more mystical, you know, they almost sound like two totally different bands. So like, how the fuck do you even like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you say one's better than the other? Well, you have to, this is your number one. What, what is it? I will not divide these two. I will not. They are. You're just, you're just unable to commit. They are both number one. (laughs) They're both number one. Well, my number one is from Rocks. I don't know why I'm going like this with my finger, like an earthworm thing. I don't know. It looks like a limp wiener, but. (laughs) (laughs) So my number one is from Rocks, which basically is your toys in the attic. Rocks to me, this fucking pure 
Aerosmith. Does it rock? Is that yes. why? Is it because it rocks? Fucking rocks with your arm all and fist all and your vein popping out. So it's back in the saddle. Listen out title or writing it down. I'm like, okay, that's a cool song. But then when you hear it, it's like, fuck, dude, it's fucking cool. Cause it's got that kind of like, like mm. his whole like voice thing. Oh, like, yeah, you like know, we always talk about, yeah, he like screeches or whatever. You know? And then yeah. you have the bat back or something. Yeah. See, I keep Paul Stanley. You keep in Paul it. Stanley. In I it. cannot do that. But We're back in the saddle, people. <laughs> but anyways. He's got, like, his voice is just, yeah, however, we've said it this whole episode. His voice is distinct and unique. It's fucking, like, pure, like, energy. Like, I don't know. I mean, that's a like song that where dude. he sounds great. Like, yeah. It's Steven Tyler at his best doing Steven Tyler. Like, like he's. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is it's kind of cool, like, the whole cowboy imagery. Like, you think back in the saddle, oh, it's a cowboy song. But no, he's talking about he's he's talking about every other song. He's talking about fucking getting laid and uh, taking off of his uh, chaps and stuff, and getting on with some chicks at the saloon. He's back in the saddle, yeah, hitting it with the ladies. He's not back in the saddle off riding around with the dudes. He's back in the saddle, nailing some girls. <laughs> so that's the whole Hit blues up thing. And broke back mountain yeah. doing all that shit. Yeah, but he's then got broads. Here's the thing that I thought was cool that makes the song even higher. And I kind of want to, like, rant about it. Not rant, but... So in the studio where they're trying to do this, they were actually... Like, I read about this. And they're like... They had a bullwhip in the studio because they're trying to get the bullwhip effect. Uh, yeah. Like that. But they're, like, whipping each other and, like, hitting each other and getting cuts and hurting each other. So they tried to rig up something, like a cord, and then they use a cap gun to make the effect. Or something. So to me, I think that's cool. Whenever you hear about stuff from the 70s or even in the Queen movie, they're doing all these weird things to make the effects. But then me in the 2000s, as like a radio DJ, I was putting together little sound effects stuff, um, you know, because I used to love doing the things where it's like, you're listening to 95.5 GLO. Well, I could just go take an MP3 of a and stick it in there. So it's kind of cool to me that people were actually like, uh, doing bull whips and shit to try to like make those sounds, and then it's like here I am, some sh- like schmuck in a radio station. Oh, I'm just I'm just getting a sound effect from a sound effect library. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of this too, they the Destroyer to album with Bob Ezrin. Didn't he wanted uh, sound effects for his car? So he just went and turned on his car and stuck a microphone by it and turned it on. That's all you could do. Yeah, I mean that's cool. That's cool. That's the stuff I like. Yeah. You know, is when it was more unique. Or even movie props or whatever, how we're always talking about that. The practical effects are what I like. You know, yeah. fuck the digital effects. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. So there's my rant. So that's what made Back in the Settlement number one, actually, is like like reading the behind-the-scenes stuff. It pushed it up there. You just made me think of when we did, when me and my band did Long Way From Goodnight, I was, I had like the... uh I already was oh, talking. You had a bull whip. <laughs> no, but well, we we're already talking about how I kind of stole that fucking guitar riff a little bit, right? And so when we recorded it with the band and everything, I wanted to do like an effect where it was like a needle dropping on a record before, 
Mm. I just remembered this for some reason. Hmm. But I actually mic'd my record player because I didn't want to just like find some cheesy effect that was like whatever, like an MP3 online or whatever. So I actually dropped Toys in the Attic on there. Oh. And I wanted it to be like the sound of that just because one of my all-time favorite rock records and I, you know, and I totally stole that fucking, you know, like that riff I so that was your own homage to yeah, that. Yeah, and I just remembered yeah. that, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I'm not making that up. You can ask anyone in the band that might have remembered. I, um, I believe you. <laughs> no, it was real, though. And then it also kind of reminded me of reading the book, because I read it was a long time ago. But I read Walk This Way. Oh, yeah, the big biography. Yeah, it was really good. I need to read it again. That was a good read. But I remember them talking about uh, when they did Train Kept Rolling. And there's the first halfs like the studio version, and then it goes into the live thing. Yeah. And all they did was take the speakers and aim them down a stairwell and fucking put a microphone in the stairwell to give it more of an echoey live sound. And then they took <laughs> and then they took like the audience sound from a live show and overdubbed it over the top of that. Oh wow. So it's not even really real. It's the exact same. It's the studio take played again, but pumped down a stairwell with the fake crowd sound in it. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of, I thought that was pretty interesting. Cause I always thought it was live. I just thought it was like, they did like a studio version and then just put like the fucking a live recording right after it, you know? Oh, damn. Well, <sighs> thank, no. you, thank you, Jim Glass. I got that book from you, but I apparently did not read it or else I would have known that. You didn't read it, huh? You no. should read it. It's a good book. Yeah. It's got some interesting stuff, man. I think I read the beginning of it because the beginning of the book, they talk about basically like the comeback era, right? Where they're like, they need to get cleaned up and they're doing an intervention with Steven Tyler, I think. Mm. I think that's how it started out. I'd have to read it again. It's been so long since I've read it that, I mean, I probably read it 20 years ago. So. Mm. Yeah, because it came out like 95 or 97 or something. It was like from the 90s. I was going to say, I read it like in my early 20s. I feel like I Mm. lived in fucking Deer Creek still. Like I read it in my little Deer Creek uh, duplex, that little shithole I lived in for a while. So it was a beautiful place. <laughs> so so we're going to call it a day. I think we got through our list though, right? So it's going to be like the most awkward closing of a of an episode. But yeah, whoosh, till next time. The there you go. That's a wrap. Whoosh. Thank you, people. Oh.